The year is 1901. We're on the border between the U.S. and Canada, about a half mile up the Niagara River. A man, sleeves rolled up, rows a tiny boat out into the center of the current. Across from him is an older woman wearing a dark dress and a hat. She clutches to a heart-shaped pillow. Being pulled by the boat is a large pickle barrel floating along in the cold water. Lining the inside is a thick mattress. The man stops rowing and pulls the paddles in. He turns around and reels the barrel up alongside the boat and pries the lid open. At this, the woman stands. The man wipes his brow and struggles to hold the barrel steady. Using his shoulder to brace herself, the old woman awkwardly climbs into the paddled, pickled container, her heart-shaped pillow held to her breast, and the two look at each other. She nods and quickly, the man grabs the lid and pounds it shut. A moment later, he takes a bicycle pump and inserts it into a tiny hole on the side of the barrel. Cursing quietly, he pumps until the pressure reaches the desired level. He corks the barrel and gives it a wrap on the top, setting it free. Swiftly, it floats downstream toward the low, rushing hum of the world's biggest waterfall. I'm Zach Lovelace, and this is Circa. We humans are full of contradictions. At once, we want to avoid danger, even to the point of averting our eyes if it means seeing harm befall another of our species. Yet we rubberneck at any car accident on the side of the road. Back in Rome, we watched gladiators fight. Honor was bestowed upon those who would risk their lives for the entertainment of others. Of course, after Rome and the rise of the church, this behavior dissipated. We moved to sport, Jousting, in particular, grew in popularity. And of course, there was theater. Shakespeare was able to generate suspense by his mere words. But this would not suffice. Human beings longed to have their breath taken away. So then there was the circus. Acrobats would train to swing, dive, twirl, and land all without harming themselves. And audiences loved it. The breathtaking show of seeing someone defying death was worth at least the price of admission. In French, these performers earned the nickname Cascadeur, which means waterfall. Nowadays, not many of us have been to the circus, Cirque du Soleil perhaps, but most of our viewing of defying death comes from the movies we watch. Like hell we will. No, it'll be okay. If the water's deep enough, we don't get squished to death. He'll never follow us. How do you know? Would you make a jump like that you didn't have to? I have to, and I'm not gonna. Well, we got to, otherwise we're dead. They're just gonna have to go back down the same way they come. Come on. Just one clear shot, that's all I want. Come on. We got to. Up. Get away from me. Why? I want to fight them. They'll kill us. Maybe. You want to die? Do you? I'll jump first. Nope. Then you jump first. No, I said. What's the matter with you? I can't swim! (laughs) Why are you crazy? The fall will probably kill you. Early on, silent films were ruled by the thrill. Actors like Buster Keaton, Harold Lloyd, and Charlie Chaplin performed acts of planned idiocy. When in reality, these acts were pure genius. Physical comedy is one of the hardest things to nail, and these men were hammering out films. Alongside these performers, there came another, 
one from a different background entirely. One from the world of magic. Harry Houdini had proved himself as a formidable escape artist and magician. No straitjacket could hold him. No water-filled milk can could contain him. He was the handcuff king. But with the advent of film, Houdini, who was strictly a stage actor, had to reinvent himself. Vaudeville was out. The audiences wanted to see their stars on the big screen. And in the beginning, Houdini did short films depicting his harrowing escapes and tricks. But it wasn't until 1919 that he was to star in his first feature-length film, The Grim Game. The film serves as a loose structuring of Houdini's famous acts, and for 96 years, the film was considered lost. Today, only 10% of silent film prints still exist due to their flammable nature. But all was not lost. A private collector, a juggler from Brooklyn, had obtained a copy from the Houdini estate. The fully restored version was aired by Turner Classic Movies on March 29, 2015, first time in almost 100 years. In the film, there is a climactic mid-air plane collision. In the script, the planes were not meant to crash, but instead the cameras caught an actual accident on film, with stuntman Robert E. Kennedy filling in for Houdini on the wing of one of the airplanes. To promote the picture, though, the studios claimed it was Houdini himself. This, of course, would promote what's kept the art of stunt work in the shadow for so long, a professional suspension of disbelief. Several campaigns to add stunt work as an Oscar category have been shot down. If we know who they are, we know who they aren't. Annie Edson Taylor knew death from an early age. Her father, a flour mill owner, died when she was 12, leaving a sizable inheritance for the remaining family to live off of. She went on to become a schoolteacher, where she met her husband, David. The two were married and soon became pregnant, but sadly, the child died in infancy. David was then drafted to fight in the Civil War and was killed in battle. Annie went on to live alone for a few years after that, teaching dance in Michigan, then traveling to San Antonio and Mexico City, trying to find new work. Finally, Annie ran out of money. It was at her lowest point that the idea had come to her. No one knows why she chose this. At the age of 63, Annie wanted to be the first person to go over Niagara Falls in a barrel. With what money she had left, she hired a manager and was able to draw a decent crowd the day of the event. She hollowed out an old pickle barrel, shoved a mattress inside, pickle barrels back then were well over five feet tall, and prepared herself for the plunge. Her manager set her afloat from a rowboat not too far from the drop. Imagine floating along in total darkness, waiting to fall 512 feet, and the only sound is the growing roar of your potential death by drowning. This lady had seen death. This wasn't going to stop her. It took about 20 minutes to reach the fall zone. Rescuers reached the barrel almost immediately, but didn't open it until they'd reached the shore. When they did, they were surprised to find Annie alive and well with only a bump on her head. Afterwards, she would go on to say she'd never recommend that to anyone. She toured some cities with her 15 minutes of fame and was only able to generate modest revenue. 
The true death blow to her short career came when her manager stole her barrel and fled. God knows why you'd want an old pickle barrel, but I assume he wanted to showcase it for some quick cash. It took Annie several months and most of her savings to track it down with the help of some private investigators. The barrel had traveled all the way to Chicago. Annie Edson Taylor would go on to inspire dozens more successful and fatal attempts at going over the falls. Some would be scientifically thought out, designing metal vessels to withstand the falls, crushing weight, but would end in tragedy. Others would be fueled by complete idiocy, with one man going over with nothing but the shirt on his back and miraculously surviving. But in her time, Annie would be forgotten, lost to time and memory like a pebble in a river. But the ripples of her life would soon rock the boat of someone else's. May 6th, 1921, Harry Houdini was filming a new picture titled The Man from Beyond. With him was his crew of 16 men, five of which were cameramen. They were to shoot Houdini and his female co-star in a canoe a short distance from the edge of the Niagara Falls. The scene called for Houdini to swim out to her and go over the falls in the canoe. But really, the famed escapist had a lifeline tied to him. And instead of braving the falls, a separate canoe with dummies inside was to go over. And that's exactly what happened. That is until the next day. The Niagara Falls Gazette printed a story about a funeral that had taken place the day of filming. The woman who had passed was a famed performer who had died in abject poverty. Even her burial service was paid for by friends. This woman was Annie Edson Taylor, the only person to go over the falls and survive. The Gazette bashed Houdini, the brave man that he was, for not going over the falls himself and for the studio making money where Annie Edson Taylor barely made a dime. Of course, Houdini was appalled. In his hotel room, he spoke with a reporter. Why shouldn't I be upset? Here they have been circulating baseless rumors that hurt me. They say I am here to go over the falls, swim the rapids, and dozens of other foolhardy exploits, which can be performed only at the risk of one's life. I've been warned that I will be arrested if I attempt to stage any such act. Well, I would do it if I wanted to, but I don't want to. I have taken great risks, but that was earlier in my stage career. I am long past that. I am accounted now as an artist. I am receiving a salary of $200,000 a year for acting in moving picture dramas and directing their filming. No more do I slip loose from manacles and chains from the delectation of crowded houses. That is the past. He sounds familiar. He sounds like any modern actor who does not want to do their own stunts, touting his salary. But he's also an early adopter of divorcing stunt performances and the dramatic, even if he is whining a little bit. It would appear that Annie Edson Taylor's historic dive was still making ripples. Stunt performers will always go unsung. It's in the job. You're an actor playing the actor, playing the main character. There's not enough room on the screen for that. But what do the Houdinis and the Taylors teach us? They say, go out there, even if it costs you a limb or a life, and do something. You may not jump over canyons or go over waterfalls in a barrel, but you can be a daredevil in any arena. Break the status quo and show us what's possible. For me, it's been this podcast. It's been tough researching and writing for this season and the next season to come. I never thought I could do it. 
but here we are. Thank you for listening. Circa is written and recorded by me and produced by The Bento Block. And a very special thank you to those who are supporting us on Patreon. Please, if you have a moment, leave a review on iTunes. We'd love the feedback on the show, and it helps immensely with visibility on all podcasting platforms. See you next Monday, and remember, you are history. History.